Okay, let's get going. Go for it. I wish this podcast would carry me away. But while talking to Squeak, yeah, and Michelle get a word in edgeways. Record over a bottle of rum on a dock of Southampton Bay. Do South, that is what we're talking about. Do Saddle up my microphone, get deep in Baker Bone. Welcome to another exciting edition of Due South by Southeast. My name is Detective Squee, and I was going to say with me is, but there's no one with me. It's uh, Sunday morning here in the UK. Uh, Dottie Baker and uh, Benton are out with Nicola on a nice walk. So uh, I haven't even got my civilian aide here. Michelle, I don't know what she's up to. She's probably up there, out there on the NHS, like all those other lazy nurses saving lives and stuff. Please don't go anywhere. Please, please, please don't go anywhere. <laughs> And so, instead, I'm here on my own in, in our uh, recording studio log cabin, but I'm joined uh, in Australia, which we were just talking about, and we're going to get into this in a minute, the man who's behind the conventions of Due South. I mean, just who knew for a start that that was a thing, and a wonderful thing it is too. Your friend of mine, please welcome Mr. John Wright. Good morning. Good yeah, it is good morning for you. Yeah, it's good morning for me. It's good evening for you. And um, like we're gonna have to work out the various times. So you're in Australia, I'm in the UK. Uh, the conventions in Canada. So I think uh -huh. pretty much everyone involves on a different time. And I'm, I'm just noticing how rough my voice is this time of the morning. I don't think think I've said more than uh, good morning, Nicholas, so far. <laughs> And uh, Benny, get off me when he gets out of his, he sleeps in a crate. So when he gets out, he just dives upon my head. And Dottie's just there at the end going, it's like, what the hell are you all doing? So that's my morning anyway. How's your day going? Very nice. Just keep the coffee flowing. Yeah. I've got a nice little pot here. Oh, I'm trying to lift it without nudging the microphone. You see, I'm a professional. Yes. Sorry? You, I, you see, I'm professional, if nothing else. And I love the fact that you've got your Due South mug, your Due South uh, uh, hoodie, is that on? Yep, yep. This is a little gift from uh, Stefan. I'm not the main guy who runs the thing. I, um, uh, My official title is vice chair of the committee. Uh, there's a guy called Stefan Rackle. He lives in Goose Bay in Newfoundland, uh, uh, right up at the top end of Canada. Um, you look at the map and it's like, oh, wow, okay, that does, <laughs> there's not a whole lot up there. Um, but no, he, he was, he's been in, involved in this a lot more than me. He kind of dragged me into it in 2007-ish. Um, so yeah, ever since then, I've been his sort of right-hand man. Oh, is, that, um, is that just uh, a pun upon your name, though? You're his right-hand man. I said, is that just a pun upon your name, though? You're his right-hand man. No, never mind. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to be. Yeah, it's, yeah, I've not heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my son, I'm sure I get it a lot too. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, like, how how did, right, so 
first of all, how do you as is it Scottish? Did you say you were originally? No, English, English. English. Do you see, even your your accent doesn't even quite sound English. I think I'm picking up some Irish in there as well. Yeah, there's a little bit. Yeah, I'm quarter Irish. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tell us the tale. Yeah, I'm from the northeast of the UK, um, and I've I lived in the Midlands for a long time. Um, then I moved to Dubai, travelled to a convention from Dubai, uh, went back to the UK, and now I'm living in Australia. What brought you to Australia? Uh, a wife. Ah, nice. <laughs> I was I was her expensive souvenir. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Uh, and with the conventions, okay, like, uh, well, actually, first of all, let's let's get to know you a bit, sir. How how do you remember first kind of experiencing G South? How did you first discover it? And, you know, which episode were you right from the beginning, or? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I remember. I think this will be a case for a lot of the UK guys. Saturday early evening just before Noel Edmund's house party. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing the trailers for the pilot, um, the whole double punch with Benton and Ray on the, the guy. And they, I don't even, I think there was a whole lot of air between the fists. I don't think they ever <laughs> made any kind of connection there. Um, but uh, no, I, I immediately saw that, got hooked. And I think it, I don't think, did they show the entire show and it's in its They did. Run? Right, what happened was for the first uh, couple of series, they got shown just as normal. Then the yep. third and fourth series, as right, this is where it gets complicated. The third and fourth series, mm -hmm. as it's known internationally, were just one series in the UK. But it yep. got, uh, it's like I've got a box set with the three entire series, but actually it's four series, like, uh, you know, yep. internationally. But anyway, what happened was they showed the first half, uh, I think they showed it in a different times well they, you know they moved it to some more prime time mm -hmm. i think and yep. it didn't fare as well there uh, they tried to do lots of publicity i think they sunk a bit of money into it because the bbc had taken over producing it and because the first half didn't do so well i think this might be somewhere along the way why it got split into two series the rest of the world because they showed the first half then they sort of benched it for a while and when they did reshow, it was during the summer holidays. They kind of churned them out uh, in the mornings, early in the mornings. So they did show them all, but they kind of buried the last bit of it. Strange, really. Cons yeah, considering the BBC had a credit as like one of the main funders what? for the show, effectively. Well, after they showed the first half, I think they realised they weren't getting the viewers they wanted. But why they didn't mm -hmm. just move it back to where it was previously, I, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, that's... Well, uh, yeah, I think they, they sunk enough money into it that they wanted to show it somewhere so that people who, at the time, you had to find these things. You couldn't get it on catch-up. So anyone no. who wanted to catch the last half, they, I think, wanted to get at least those viewers for their money. So they put it in a a, a slot which wasn't going to cost them too much if it didn't get too many viewers. And then I think they knew there was a certain portion, even back then, of very loyal Due South fans. People who loved the show loved the show even, even then. So I, I think they knew if they put it in... Um, a, a bit of a lesser slot, it would still get a certain amount of viewers, and I know how that yeah, played out. Yeah, diehard audience, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think I remember coming across it again uh, lunchtime, so I think they did reruns on BBC Two. Yeah. Because I remember at college, I was I was working from home, and uh, yeah, I, I just stumbled across it, and just reconnected with it all over again. And because you're a bit older as well, you take in a bit more and you understand how clever the script is. And 
Uh, I think then I went on the hunt for all the VHS tapes, which <laughs> were limited to two episodes of VHS tape. You like equate that now, the the entire series would cost you thousands of pounds. Oh, yeah. um, if you did it that way. And I, I came across a couple of double box sets and things. Um, but I think when it really kicked off was mid-2000s when ITV2, another UK channel, which was um, not part of the BBC for those listening outside of the UK. Yeah. Um, they got the rights to it. And they made a bit of a song and dance about relaunching it, which was interesting. And they commissioned... Did you see that? Was it Southland, the documentary they did? No. Oh, I've not heard of this one. That. No, no, the only oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah. the only great one that I've one. heard it's of. It's on YouTube. Yeah, the, the one which I've seen on YouTube or heard of on YouTube is Ride Forever, and I'm trying to stop myself from watching it. I really want to watch it, but I want to save it for when we get there. Like, when we finish the, the run, we're going to do a special with that, but I might just have to have cool. a sneak peek in advance. Uh, and now Southlands as well, so I've got two to look out for. Cool. So yeah, there's one that's on the box set that we both have. Yeah. And I can't remember what that's called. Um, and then there's yeah, there's this separate one that ITV commissioned. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure it's called Southbound. It was only like an hour long, 45 minutes without commercials. Um, and uh, yeah, it got a lot of people interested. And in it. it was about that time in the UK when a lot of shows were sort of like. I think there was a bit of a mini craze going on, like Bring Back This, Reunite That. There was like shows on Channel 4, like Bring Back the A-Team and things like that. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll give it a shot. There seems to be a lot of a, a, a lot of fans out there and a bit of a fan base. And I thought, you could create a website for free. So I tried doing this little campaign thing called Due South Lives. And uh, I was hunting for people on Facebook and MySpace, if you remember that. And I stumbled across David Marciano. And this is at the time where you couldn't have verified accounts. You thought, is this him? Is this not him? Is this just someone creating an imposter account? So I thought, oh, what the hell? I'll drop him a line. And got chatting, and it turned out to be him. And he got more and more involved, and he was interested as with what I was doing, because I was getting a, a guest book of a few hundred signatures. This was only in like a few months with no advertising, no promotion, just people finding it. Um, and he did this little Q&A so people could submit the questions and uh, he'd answer them. And he just did this one big session. It was really fascinating. It was like a real peel back the curtain kind of moment because he didn't pull any punches. Uh, there were, People he got on with and people he didn't get on with. Um, uh, yeah, he's an interesting cat, uh, but he's a lovely guy, David. And about that time, I got an email out the blue from a guy called Stefan, who mentioned. And he said, look, have you heard about the Jew South conventions? Um, there seems to be a, a, a renewed interest in the show. Would you be interested in helping me bring back the conventions? The RCW139 conventions, because yeah, they ran from... 96 to 99. Where does that little code come from? The RCW. I thought it was RCMP for a little while. It's RCW 139. It's Arden Lincoln's license plate. Oh, you see, I should know that. I I feel like a bad fan now. <laughs> sorry for the benefit of those who. Um, oh, yes, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell it's early in the morning. I get used to on podcasts explaining what's happening visually when I'm on like a video chat. <laughs> But this morning, I just completely forgot. No one can see what I can see. He just held up a license plate for me, uh, which mm. was from the a, a copy of the Lincoln license plate. License plate. Yeah. I think it's a copy. I assume that's not original. 
Yeah, no, no, this was, I did have the original. Um, this, uh, yeah, so RCW139 for the non-diehard fans, it was a license plate used throughout the show, right from for Free Willy, I believe, I think. Some yeah. real clever people are going to be sort of correcting me online and stuff, but I'm pretty sure it was Free Willy right from the start, and they used it throughout the show's run. It was a bit of an inside joke. Um and uh, yeah, I, that's what they name the conventions. But um, I'll go. I'll go back to me owning the license plate later on. But yeah, this I've also got more questions the... on David Marciano. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, this was from the goodie bag from 2014. So we had replica license plate plates made. Ah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go on to the goodie bags later on. So yeah, that's that's how that kind of started like that was the whole catalyst for it all really and uh i mean obviously now it's really easy but like how long ago was this that, that you kind of got hooked up into the conventions uh so yeah i think stefan contacted me it was either late 2006 very early 2007 and uh yeah we we brought back the first convention in 2008 so my question there is like 2006 even that far back, it wasn't as easy as now to kind of uh, coordinate things across mm. the internet. Like, you know, how did you do everything then? How did you kind of like, where, where, where were, you, were you in Australia then? Uh, no, I was in, uh, I was in the UK. Um, so it was a lot easier. There wasn't as much of a time difference. Yeah. And we just do things via email and Skype chats, uh, you know, like online chat forums and things like that. Um, there was a forum for Jew South. I think it's closed now. Um, but there is, there was, it's, it was quite easy to find those hardcore audiences. There was still the chat room things going. There was MySpace, of course. There was Facebook, Twitter. I think I don't know if Twitter was launched back by then. But anyway, we we just utilized what we had, and we just spread word of mouth and friends and new friends just contacted people and i think we had about 80 or so people attend the 2008 one and for those who i mean this is something that we've always carried on since that we realize international travel is a big thing so we offered these supporting memberships so people essentially get the same goodie bags that all attendees get and in turn they help they help make the convention a bit better because we can order things in large quantities, prices come down, and then we're able to make the the goodie bags better, the event better um, for everyone. Really, that that's all we're interested in. It's a non-profit thing, and uh, any anything else that that is extra, any profit raised, all goes to local charities. And uh, are the associate memberships uh, still open at the moment? Yeah, we do have a few left. Yeah, thank you very much for the early plug. So, um, yeah, we do have a few left. Uh, we've got some tickets and supporting memberships, so aka the goodie bags. Um, just go to our website, r three. Uh, put your tongue back in, John. rcw139.org, and uh, you'll see a tab for the 2019 convention. Go to the online store, and you can select whatever you'd like to do. Um, the goodie bags, the supporting memberships are free international shipping. So it's a nice. flat rate. And uh, so you can still get tickets for the event as well? Mm -hmm. yep. Oh. Yeah, as I say, there's only a handful left. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I'll come on to the announcement later on. Sure, but uh, like, uh, so remind us of just of the dates of the event and uh, where it is and just give us a few details. Like, I want to get the plugs in early. Like, just, just 
Buying okay. tickets is, of course, can, the main thing. Yeah, we, we can chat and get all Yeah, we'll, we'll go all cool. back and forth. We'll go all over the show. It's fine. <laughs> it's too early for structure. Okay, so um, RCW139, which we've called this time, you must remember this. We take episode titles for each convention and just try to make each one appropriate. So, yeah, this is because it's been five years since the last one. So, this takes place 26th to 28th of July. Uh, so in a few weeks' time in Toronto, where our main venue is the Courtyard um, Downtown. Sorry, Courtyard Toronto Downtown. That's the name of the hotel. It's part of the Marriott chain. Um, and we have discounted accommodation with them. Um, so if anyone wants to make a holiday of it, they can stay three days before and three days after the convention at those discounted rates. Nice. Um, it's a different venue to the previous conventions mainly because this time has been extremely hard to make the thing viable in terms of financial uh, and also for people to attend um, because costs have jumped up considerably. So all we're interested in is trying to make the event as feasible and affordable for everyone as possible. So, yeah, um, it runs for those three days. We do meet the night before. Uh, we do have a little pre-event dinner and walk around the distillery district. Now, that's a beautiful, beautiful um, pedestrianized part of Toronto. Um, you'll recognize it as soon as you see it. Type it in in Google, and you'll see it's, it was used for many, many filming locations in the show. Um, it's a very industrial area, so you've got like these uh, gantries going across top of sort of alleyways, cobbled streets, that kind of thing. And uh, it's a beautiful place, bars, restaurants, obviously, with it being an old distillery district. Um, good shopping area. It's just a really pleasant area. And one of our uh, committee members, uh, Katie, her dad is a bit of uh, an encyclopedia. So he, I, I believe he's going to be able to do it again this year. He leads a little tour around the district. And it's just a beautiful evening. And then we all have a, a chill out sort of meal and whoever wants to attend and they can just mosey on off. Um, and then it all kicks off. It all starts bright and early the Friday morning. Nice. And we do and, we do like a good brewery around here on uh, due south by southeast. So. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. No, it's, it's just a really pleasant area. And it's been used for a whole bunch. It's a really popular filming location. Um, I, yeah, again, Google it. You, you'll be amazed how many Hollywood films use that location. Because um, it's historic and it, it's like it's almost like the um, the way that the um, uh, the Royal Naval College in Greenwich is in London. That's used for countless films. Uh, it's the same with this because they don't have to do anything for it. It's a ready-made filming location. It's brilliant. Right. Um, so speaking of filming locations, we do offer a location tour around Toronto. So in the past, we've done a bus tour. Uh, this time, again, because we're trying to make it affordable, this will just be a bit of a map and we'll just show people how to get from one place to the next. So all the consulates, all the locations from memorable episodes, you know, the maltings where they jump off the top at the beginning of Mountie and the Bounty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all the major stuff, all the recognizable things. Um, we have, uh, I'll just rattle off a few things here. We've got the Saturday morning. We've got breakfast at the Patrician Grill. If you do you remember that, do you, any does that name ring a bell? Uh, it, oh. Remind me, sir. Sorry. 
Victoria's Secret. Oh, yeah, 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 yes. Um, they, they've got the um, oh, yeah, where they where they meet Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so the breakfast place. Uh, I yeah. think they use it in a few other episodes as well. On the same street, you can see the grill and, and a lot of the shots. And so, they uh, even use it's hearing, a family owned business. Hearing so, grill, I was thinking of something where there's a barbecue or something like that. But of course, it's because <laughs> I, I, I like he's having coffee there and breakfast. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's um, an all day sort of cafe breakfast place. Yeah, and yeah. The owner is in that scene where he asks uh, Benton if he wants it to go or stay and stuff. So yeah. he's still there. It's a family-owned business. And, uh, yeah, it's great. It hasn't, it's barely changed. They even use it in the series Suits. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they use that place in Suits a lot as well. Um, so, yeah, that's a really cool place to have breakfast at, um, sort of combining breakfast and a filming location in one. Um of course, we've got guest panels. Uh, I'll go into the guests in a bit as to who's, you know, who we've got on the list. Yeah. Um, we've got various other things. Uh, we've got plenty of games. We've got a gala dinner. We have an auction. Uh, we've got a, a Kit Kat tasting, which is a bit of um, – it, it's, it's almost a tradition that's been done at every yeah. convention. I was fascinated by this idea. So you get Kit Kats yeah. brought from around the world. Yep. Paul, we found out Paul Gross's favorite snack was Kit Kats. And yeah, it, it just sparked the whole sort of thing. Like, oh, it was because it's an international convention, we get people coming from everywhere. And then you get all these crazy random flavors of Kit Kats. So we just have a little sort of oh let's see what we can bring let's see what different flavors are and then uh, yeah. we'll just like you can get try them you can get wasabi Kit Kats I believe uh, in yes. some areas of the world uh, like that just gives you an idea of how bonkers the different flavors uh, of this uh, particular chocolate have become. It's mainly the Japanese the the the, the yeah the eccentric ones uh, green tea that was a really nice one actually green yeah. tea yeah I think we had a limited run of that over here at some point. Oh, cool! Excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I've got a stash in the in the fridge ready to bring of Aussie flavors. Um, so yeah, that's a fun little thing. Have you uh, got Vegemite? Some... Have you got Vegemite one? <laughs> no, dude. No. <laughs> no, we don't want people to be sick on this, uh, this convention. Um, we've got a Due South Carnival, which is a bit of uh, fun. Yeah. Different, just different things. We tried it uh, the 2014, and it went off really well. So, just for instance, we had a, a great Yukon Double Douglas for telescoping bank shot target um, game. Okay. Have you seen? Yeah, have you seen all Queen's Horses yet? Uh, we haven't rewatched it. It's been a minute. Um, so, remind me again. Sorry, really. Again, it's only in the morning. You're gonna have to excuse me. <laughs> So the episode, All the Queen's Horses, where it's the train that gets hijacked, Will Amante's on it. Yep, yep. Yep. And uh, um, uh, Buck Frobisher and um, Benton's dad, this, they're trying to hit a target and they're, they're arguing how you're going to do it. And they refer to their impossible shot, the great Yukon Double Douglas for telescoping bank shot. Of course, it's the, the, the episode where they have uh, Ride Forever. Yeah, and then the, that that kiss, as it were, on top of the train. Yep. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Just to so prove, I have watched these episodes. I do know the show. Honestly, I'm just just <laughs> sleepy Sunday and like morning. when someone mentions something out of context, you know, it's it's it's. I'll get there. You've just you've just woken up. I've been up all day, so yeah. 
Uh, I, I should slow down. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. It's just, I think it's also the fact we're in the middle of a heat wave over here, so you don't necessarily get as much sleep as you usually uh, would. So it's actually UK heat wave. Yeah, I mean, you see, we're not built for hot weather. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I love it and everything, but it's like it's it's actually only twenty to ten. It's not that early, but when you haven't had that much sleep, it can be very early. No, 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 true, very true. Um, so yeah, there's a whole host of different games um, relating to that. I think there's like a ta- mystery tasting one, so you know, playing off the whole thing that Benton licks everything. So it's like mystery flavors. You got to sample it and guess what the flavor is, that kind of thing. Nice. Um, yeah, there's a honestly, it it doesn't sound much, but we we purposefully don't announce everything. We want to keep a few surprises in store, nice. and there will be surprises. Oh, that's wonderful. And yeah, as you say, we're going to get into the guest list, but a few familiar faces to this podcast, as well as some really kind of wonderfully, um, yeah, you've got quite a range. You've got some people who just like uh, popped up in an episode, some people who were there, you know, pretty much throughout the run. Uh, yep. It's wonderful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, let, let's let's go back over a couple of things you, you picked up in there. So you mentioned the chat with David Marciano. Please say, like, the only, like, I'm not going to uh, try to rake any dirt here, but please say he and Paul Gross got on as well as one would imagine. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's all right. Yeah, like, yeah. that would just destroy my childhood, if, if not. No, 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 no. Um, it was him and Paul Haggis, the creator. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a shame. No, no, it, it, it wasn't anything uh, bad. Um, I think people who, I think it, I published it in the very first program booklet, um, some excerpts from that um, uh, Q and A. I'll I'll put it up at some point, maybe after the event in full. Um, there's oh, some bad language that I'll bleep out, um, but it's no. It, I think it was just Paul Haggis being very hands on and very um, driven and wanting the best out of everyone. And I think it was just a clash of personalities, um, but. Uh, no, I've, I've spoken to both of them, and no, there's nothing but positivity. I think it was just, it, it stre- it's onset stresses, I think it was. And let, let's make it clear, in this uh, modern world we're in, unfortunately, we have to clarify, hands-on is not meant in any inappropriate way, just he was very involved. <laughs> Just, especially since no. certain unpleasant allegations against uh, Anyway, look, let's just keep it alive. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. In the, the so, yeah, 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 no, I think I think that's that's what makes it interesting because he's not sugarcoating it. He's not like saying, "Oh, it was great. It was always brilliant." There's, you know, creative differences. People clash. People get tired, nerves fray, all that kind of thing. So, um, no, I, I, I think it's almost like a, a teacher pushing a pupil hard because he, they know that they're talented and they've got the capabilities of, you know doing stuff even better, that kind of thing. The one which was really quite shocking was when I was t- talking to uh, Tony Craig and he was saying mm-hmm. about uh, when they were doing the third and, you know, depending on how it's cut in your country, third and fourth series, uh, mm-hmm. he, they were talking about, um, he said that they originally had a plan to put his character forward as to buddy up with, um, with Benny. And then, because... Uh, like, you know, the, the, the American and Canadian networks were all for it. Uh, yeah. But then, oh, no, sorry, no, it was, a, yeah, no, the, the Canadian uh, network were for it. America then 
pulled out because they really didn't want that, I believe. It was Aaron Rope and vice versa. Some Someone on the right way, one of the bodies, decided they didn't like that, though. And uh, so instead we got another... I, I mean, look, I don't want to get co- too controversial this this time of morning, but, like, they, they went for another white ray, basically, as opposed yeah. to... Like, they wanted to go for, like, more diversity. They thought with the kind of American audience that would really play very well. Uh, and, yeah, actually, no, I think it was the BBC who, who poo-pooed it. They, they said, it's like, well, if we're going to invest all the money, no, we want to keep with the kind of format as it is. I don't know how mm. racially charged it was, but they didn't want to rock the boat by going for diversity anyway. Uh, and, yeah, so, like, Tony Craig found this out later, apparently. And yeah, yeah, it, 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 there was a lot of things going uh, going on behind the scenes there. Like I think the, there was not a shakeup. I think there was a lot of change between season two and then season three was essentially kind of a reset in a way. Yeah, because it was new shows. Like I think Paul Haggis had nothing to do with the show after season two. Um, that's why he's he's not essentially keen on three or three slash four. Um, because it, it got a bit more lighthearted in a way. And uh, when they went, when I say silly, I mean inverted commas, when they pushed the, the, the themes and, and like the, um, the styles of episodes to the extremes, um, I think the first two series is a bit more grounded. Um, yeah. Yeah, you have like the dra- dramatic episodes. Yeah, you've got the more far-fetched um genre episodes i should say you know uh where it's a bit more comedic or you know uh, they like starman for instance where it's like oh there's suddenly ufos in this and you know that kind of thing yeah perhaps not my favorite kind of uh, elements but yeah i mean I, I did there's still some some gold in the uh latter episodes but um i i, I liked a bit more grit to my due south personally but i i, I think the, the worst thing is that i think that um uh, the second second race slash Stanley gets a bit maligned. I, I think it, it was still a good character. I think there were still some fantastic episodes. Somewhere, mm. like you say, the writing might have got a little bit uh, on the wacky side in places. Yeah, I mean, that might be just trying to make it a more, of, uh, trying to open it up to a more of a family audience, a larger market, possibly. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's always good to keep a show fresh and keep it, you know, changing. Um, otherwise, it becomes stagnant. And I think that's part of the appeal of the show. I think it can get away with this kind of stuff. It can really push envelopes in a whole bunch of different directions. I mean, who else has a to- uh, like a ghost dad that nobody else can see? Yet it's still in a really dramatic episode, and it, people don't, you know, don't think anything of it. Yeah. It, it just it can pull it off so well. I think this the show is lightning in a bottle, and I think that's why it's so universally um, well liked. Uh, I think that's why these conventions have done so well as well. I mean, you wouldn't believe where we have sent supporting packs to. Yeah. You name the country, we send it there. And Mongolia, the... <laughs> we've sent one to Mongolia. And the thing which I found absolutely wonderful is that, uh, well, upon watching it back, there's so much more we're picking up on that we never realised yeah. at the time or even on other rewatchings because we're looking a bit more critically for the podcast, you know, to, to, to pick up on this stuff to, for some, you know, yeah. to talk about on the show. And the thing which uh, kind of surprised me is you mentioned the ghost dad there. It's the fact that right from early on, I, I remember it as being later that they established that he was definitely there and, you know, definitely present, but really quite early on, they established like, no, no, he, we, we are seeing, he is definitely there. It's definitely something that exists. It is otherworldly. 
but it did it without it becoming at that stage um uh, more more silly and more kind of like a supernatural you know even though that's a that's a straight up supernatural element it didn't feel supernatural it felt very real felt yeah. very grounded yeah of course he got to do some very fun and silly things like you know, when they're shooting through the lamp and stuff like that in one which we recently watched comedy gold but you know then they could do these really grounded moments and it was a wonderful um wonderful father and son relationship it was so good and gordon mm. pinson how amazing is he Oh, he is just a legend. He is just incredible, incredible actor. Yeah. And I think that's probably why it, it worked. It was just through his performance and the chemistry he had with, with Paul Gross, I think. It, and I think that, I think they appeared together on, um, oh, what's that show? Mental Blank. A Canadian show, um, Private Detective... Oh, um, I, I've only heard of it. It's, um... People are going to be screaming out of the podcast. Yeah. I'll Google it. Yeah, this is going to be wonderful uh, radio, like just us sitting here going, ah! <laughs> it's something or other PI or something like that, isn't it? It's, it's got the guy's name and the... Am I thinking of the right thing? Anyway, uh, yeah. Come back to it. But, uh, by the way, just, just while we're chatting about it, did, did you watch uh, Men With Brooms? Like, you must have done must have seen it by oh, now yeah, yeah, yeah oh, thought, how incredible is that? yeah and seeing um paul gross teamed up with uh leslie nielsen and working together again and just just like the the best way i've ever heard it described because we spoke talked about it for the podcast was um my friend blaine garrison over there in canada he was saying that it's got it, it's better than it's got any right to be you know it's, it's kind of like to yourself for that really if you look at the elements and you know how silly and goofy it could have been in the wrong hands due south it, it's such an amazing and tight and well written and uh even though it can be very silly in some elements it takes its subject matter and the love for the subject matter very seriously so the love of canada the the love of chicago even uh you know the the love of, of um of duty and stuff like that all that stuff's taken seriously and that follows through into men with brooms you know like curling yeah. it's kind of like seeing around the world and i don't mean to insult any of our canadian listeners but it's kind of seen as a joke sport by some and mm -hmm. they they just show the love and how like it doesn't matter if you get what curling is or not you will get that passion for something and it was just yeah. so wonderful i think that was just uh it could have been any sport really in that and I, th I think they just kept it unapologetically canadian which i think worked well because i think the humor was kind of canadian as well in that and that's what i like about it it's charming because it just stays true and you enjoy it because it, it's not trying to appeal to mass comedy audiences it's it's its own little thing and i think that's why it gets a cult following and it's well liked definitely and it's it's one of the last great uh Leslie nielsen performances because, uh, mm, yeah. uh, you know, they got what, um, you know, I, I preach about this on this podcast a lot. So sorry for anyone who's hearing this for the millionth time. But it's that whole thing whereby a lot of directors didn't get that you have to, like, you know, if he's well directed, he is fantastic. Like, but it has to be that thing of him playing the most silly things very seriously. And some people, I think, kind of maybe directed him to play it for laughs. And that doesn't work. The, the reason why it's so great in things like Naked Gun and any of these films is because they said, it's like, right, we want you to bring your uh, wonderful acting style that you've done. You know, he started off with serious acting. Do that style of acting and do these ridiculous things in that very serious style. Yeah, and that's he, where the humor comes. He plays it totally straight. 
he believes what he's doing is serious. And I mean, you look at Manhunt, the way he first appeared, it was really, it started off really dramatic and dark. And he played this kind of a badass, really. And he, like, there was no jokes. It was like, he was bitter. He was like drinking beer and stuff. I thought, whoa, this is a bit different. But you look at his past and like his early career, I think he was a, like, he was a straight dramatic actor and he had a lot of big roles like that. Um, but I think as soon as people see Naked Gun, like or air, Airplane, like you say, they're just like, oh, just just do that, but wear a manta uniform. Yeah, but like even in uh, Airplane, like he was playing it very straight. It was the material was yeah. silly. Uh, but I, I Manhunt you brought up there. One of my favorite moments is, and again, I think it works because they just like deliver it very straightly. Is when basically they give an excuse for Benny to come along without Frobisher losing his. Um, his dignity. So he goes like, no, it's something I've got to do on my own. He took something from me, I've got to get it back. And it's like, well, if I felt they'd taken something from me, well, of course you'd have to come along. So it's, it's one of those wonderful things of men not being able to admit they need each other. And, he, you know, he managed to maintain his pride whilst, yeah, oh, it's just wonderful. It's just beautifully written, yeah. beautifully acted. You don't get those moments if he's kind of goofing it up. No, no, and uh, like it's just it puts like a big smile on your face when you see a scene like that played out. It's just brilliant writing, awesome cast. Yeah, uh, so so like getting back to the convention of it all. So I mean, mm. just just talk to us about the work which goes into it and how how it goes weaving it all together, and especially since you know, I know you said the um, sorry, forget the guy's name, but you're saying there's another guy who's uh, in charge of the event. But even yeah, everything, Stefan, I I see you social mediaing up a storm on this and you're obviously very involved just tell us a bit about you know the work which goes into it yeah i mean there's a team of us um it, which has grown over the convention stefan as i say he was involved in the ones in the late 90s i think it was not it might have just been 99 um i'm not too sure um but anyway yeah he's he's obviously with him being over there He's able to control a bit more of the logistical aspects and put things in place. He's, he essentially makes it a reality. He books the venue, finds the venue, budgets everything, and it's a lot of unseen work. I'm a graphic designer and marketer by trade, so I just lend my skills and, and draw and get uh, people's eyeballs on this and try and get attendees and supporting memberships and things and then we've got our other guys who have been with us since um 2010-ish um we've got sarah um katie and her sister megan um and uh, yeah that's that's our core and we all just like do yeah we, we just work as a bunch of friends that's all essentially we are um, and we just, you know, take on different tasks and sort of help each other get jobs done. Um, it's And because it's non-profit, we're doing a lot on faith um, because in, in the past we have to sort of look at a way of like, is there enough interest to break even? Are we going to generate enough to be able to put on this event, pay, pay the bills and make sure everyone has a good time. So there is a big unknown question mark there, and it's a big drive to get people to, in the past we did deposits and things like that. And that's always a nerve wracking point because we have this deadline date where we have to commit to venues and we need a certain amount of people by then. It's like, oh, so I'm trolling people. I'm essentially trolling people one-on-one -on, -one on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and things 
meant not to be horrible, just to say, are you aware, are you aware of this? You know, would you like to come or would you like a goodie bag? That kind of thing. And even up until two or three days ago, I'm finding people who tweet about Due South and things like that. So, oh my God, I've never heard about this. When is it? Where can I go? And so, oh, wow, okay. And like, we're putting hashtags out there and it's mainly we're just trying to get it out there um, with and begin again because we don't have an advertising budget we're just relying on word of mouth and social media and it's amazing how that works internationally and where people come yeah. from for this um, uh, so yeah th there's a hell of a lot that goes on behind the scenes uh, it's it's essentially five people doing stuff in their own free time to make this a reality and yeah i mean stefan is is just a legend how he puts this together i mean he works in the military as well um and uh, sarah she's in the entertainment business um and her hours are, are very long and hard katie she's a bit of a, a science guru and yeah it, it's we just pull it together we always do um, and then we always try and capitalize. Uh, we, we always review like, okay, what worked last time? What could we do better? What new things can we add? We always want to make sure that something's new because we get a lot of diehard attendees, people that come to every single one without fail. And we don't want them to get bored because they're paying a lot of money. Yeah. Um, we want to make sure it's entertaining and fun and different for them. It's like, oh, wow, we didn't do this last time. This is cool. You know, just just stuff like that. I want to push the envelope. Last year they hadn't even made a Veggie Mike Kit Kat. This is new. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to push the marketing of the Veggie Mike Kit Kat. I don't know so, why. Sorry, go. On. I'm just I'm making a note. Veggie. I'm going to Google it. See if it's available. <laughs> Veggie Mike Kit Kat for the sadist. <laughs> well, like they, they've got the wasabi one, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's no less insane. Yeah, or more. that's true. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a lot to coordinate, and then of course we've got to work with all guests, um, and yeah, it's working out schedules, and again because they're coming voluntarily of their own free will, uh, and so we've just got to you know weave it in and see when they're available, and and again, there's a lot to work out there. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned uh, St Stefan is in the um, in the forces. Please give a shout out, uh, like uh, which branch. And uh, I always like to kind of give uh, a shout out to people who uh, are aviation. I think he's is like a, a mechanical engineer, or he's he's not a pilot, but he's it's a really important role. Um, and he's yeah, he does a lot of. I don't think he can talk about a lot of it, obviously, because it, it's you know yeah, classified yeah. stuff. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's a very hard worker and. Yeah, um, I was cool, cool to see him on Facebook with photos of him in uniform and doing all kinds of really cool stuff with helicopters. Um, so, yeah, no, no, he's, he's a cool guy. Um, and, yeah, it, we're just, even though we can go with, with, like, a year without chatting and stuff, as soon as this picks up, it's like, oh, there's rumblings. People are asking, is there going to be another convention, another event? And then we just pick up where we left off, and as soon as we catch up with each other, we're just a, a group of mates and it's the atmosphere is great so what you're saying is you and your partner cannot see each other for for sometimes years and then you'll pick up where you left off sounds like a certain uh, father of a mountie which we all know and love <laughs> it's, it's taken from the show isn't it <laughs> oh yeah yeah true uh, the, 
other thing which I just uh, I think it's great that you touched on there a little bit by saying about when you reach out to all these different fans from around the world and just go have you heard about this convention and they're mm. amazed they exist I feel like Due South has sort of become that one wonderful thing I found doing this show uh, I like my other podcast about Doctor Who like you know you, you can't uh, like there were the wilderness years for Doctor Who when it was between it being aired where it was a bit more of a secret handshake but now like you can't throw a stone without hitting a Doctor Who fan Due South, it is like the secret handshake. You kind of like, uh, you'll mention something about Due South or someone will find the uh, podcast and they'll go, it's like, wow, you're doing a Due South podcast? Or someone will make an obscure, obscure reference to Due South to someone and they'll go, it's like, oh, by the way, have you heard about this podcast? And they'll reach out to us or they'll tag us in and it's just wonderful. And it's just so lovely to find these people because, you know, it hasn't got the biggest following around the world, but it's got such a loyal fan following. Anyone yeah. who loves Due South really loves Due South. And just and it's, and it's constantly generating new fans. Like when we, we do these events, we're getting younger people in and kids essentially. And whether it's through a family member or they stumble across it, it's always it's always out there broadcasting somewhere. And the people you speak to, I mean, I, I saw a lot. I saw some Arabic posts. So I have no idea what they're saying, but there's a picture of Ben and Fraser and hashtag do south and then a lot of Arabic. And I thought, wow, okay, it's getting a lot of traction over there. Um, and like I said, we posted a, a membership to Mongolia. Uh, we've posted them to Russia, Japan, all over the world. And there, in the past, we've had strong contingents from Australia, a lot of people coming up from Australia for this event. That's amazing. And just, mm. yeah, it, it's just wonderful. And I think that, that there is something about Due South that even though we do love when we're watching it to pick up on all the 90s of it all, like we love to see oh. Ray's loud shirts, especially when Ray wears a loud shirt, we know it's going to be a good episode. Uh, and we also <laughs> noticed a bit of theming as well around this. This just random, like I'm going on tangent, but we've noticed in some of the episodes, he can be wearing a really loud shirt and then there'll be a really serious moment or a more serious episode and his shirt's dulled down. It's like mm -hmm. they, they tone the wardrobe so well to what the episode is. And it's just those little details which are brilliant. But what I love about it is, though, yeah, you do have those 90s bits kind of, of course, it's going to be dated in some ways. But the themes of the episodes and what's at the heart of them is what makes it just so timeless and so able to be watched by new generations, even as you're saying there. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, and no matter what language it is as well, I think people can understand it as well. Because the, I mean, Bannon is essentially a superhero. You know, it's it, you know the red uniform, and it's like you know a very sort of positive way of life and helping others out in need and things like that. But I think the just the simple like every character is identifiable. Like you say, the stories are identifiable, the morals in them, and it can be so easily translated into other languages, and it it just it it crosses barriers. And yeah, I, I think it there's no it, it's not it doesn't pick at people it doesn't point at people and i think it, it's just very appealing it's like come on in big open arms come and enjoy the show watch an episode we'll think you'll like it yeah and uh you, you mentioned he's a superhero he even gets to hang out with the hulk in one episode mark ruffalo yeah. yeah, I mean, that was one of the questions with the Q and A uh, with David Marciano. It's like you look at the guest list, the cast, the 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 special guests who appeared in the show, and it's just it's insane. Like yeah. you say, Mark Ruffalo. It was like really, Jew South is responsible for the Avengers. I will go on record and say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if these actors don't get these. Um... 
early gigs which get noticed, they don't get on go on to the rest. No. Yeah. Or Ryan Philippe. Um yeah. Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Philippe as well. The timing of his appearance is just before he started hitting it big. Yeah. Like you can do you can you know, the other ones are a bit more arguable. And I think certainly these jobs like at least you South had a profile that would have been helpful at the time. We can at least say that. But the time time of Ryan Philippe's um, guest appearance and then what happened just afterwards, I, I think Due South has to be kind of credited there. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was a starting block for a lot of people. Lisa Jacob uh, from Chicago Holiday was in Mrs. Doubtfire and Independence Day. Yeah. She was there in 2014. And even just for a special guest star of two episodes, it was fantastic just to hear from her, from her stories on set and the fact that she can't wear high heels, um, so her stunt was walking in high heels. Um, <laughs> and she'd just written a book, and she came literally, yeah. it was the event was about two weeks after Robin Williams died. So she was a bit emotional, and she was reading from a book and telling people stories about Robin and what he did. Um, and just you, you get to hear so many different aspects of different people's lives. Um, it's fascinating. It's and- great. And again, I don't want to make this too serious, but like if you go back and watch Chicago Holiday, um, I don't know if you could get away with that episode now, given that uh, she's the, the, the age she is and like the themes of it. Like, you know, don't get me wrong, everyone from our main cast is very respectful and stuff, but some of the comments the cabbie makes alone, geez, it was like, okay, I probably wouldn't say that now. <laughs> no, no, it, diff- yeah, different time. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's nice to see how we've grown. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, it moves for beyond from that. Uh, yeah, so come on, Con. You've got to unfurl uh, all the guests which are coming to this thing. It's just uh, you, you You. have a huge guest list for this event this year. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, we always say, um, you'll notice on the wording, we always say cast, like guests are interested in attending. Again, they're giving up their free time. Um, and then something might crop up the week of, day before, whether it's family or work, we can't help that. It's it's down to their own personal scheduling. Of course. Um, but that said, it's been a very rare instance where they can't. It's, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's worth saying, I, I kind of, uh, again, from other podcasts, I quite often interview people uh, who run conventions, people who go to conventions and stuff. And one thing which comes up time and time again is the events get lambasted if someone cancels. But yeah. if, if nothing else, believe me, the events and the event organizers always want the guests there. You know, it's not like yeah, they're, they're going, oh, goody, someone canceled. Like, you know, like they... They, they do I mean, everything possible. I'm a big fan of those events too, but that's a different model. They're there to make profit true, true. and you pay for appearances, signings, photo ops, all that kind of thing. This is all voluntary. And you so look at the past events so. and we've had everyone. Paul Gross turned up in 2010 and we didn't find out until the day before. And we just like found out, oh, um, I've got a free... I've got a free slot on Friday morning. Great. We'll just tell people to get here three hours early. And we did. And we didn't say why. I think people got a hint. And we announced it after registration. I thought, hang around. Paul's about to walk in the door. Um, so, yeah, you never know who is going to show up. Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, as I said, with the guest list, it, nothing is concrete until the day off. That said, let's run down. So, Catherine Bruyere, Elaine Vespers. Yeah, yep. I believe she's coming for two days. Yeah, she's going to be there for the weekend. 
Uh, one of the most lovely, you know, she spoke to us for the podcast as well. She absolutely lovely. Yeah, so many yeah. great stories. Wonderful, wonderful lady. Um, yeah, she's she's been a great um, contributor. She's been there to every single event I think since since two thousand eight. As has Tom Melissus. I believe he has attended more conventions than some attendees. I think he holds the record. I think we even gave him some kind of badge or medal last time. Because he'd attended, I think it was eight conventions. Yeah. It's just mind-blowing. But yeah, Tom, um, he's awesome. He's just he's a one-man show. Just put him up on stage and just watch him do his thing. He's awesome. Um, Tony Craig, uh, again, who you've spoken to. Great lovely guy. guy. Yeah, he's very busy, not confirmed yet. Uh, we're speaking with him. Um, obviously, he's got a lot of things on his plate. Daniel Cash. Yeah. Louis Gardino. I met him in a convention in the UK in, uh, in the Midlands, and I spoke to him about the convention because I think I'd either just done one or I was about to do it, um, and he was interested, so I managed to stay in touch with him, and he came along for the 2012 one. And um, oh yeah, I mean, the which guy is which is nice to see because I believe when he left the show, he wasn't too happy with some stuff at the time so it's nice to see that he's able to enjoy it now i i you know i never yeah. want you never want the like look, i i get it it's a tv show people are going to have better or worse times on that show even if you love it but it's nice to see that it is you know they've come to love it over the years a little bit which you must do to go to these things well if you go to a website there's a tab for each of past event and uh someone did a write-up on the 2012 one i think it was lynn she's a regular um and yeah, what's refreshing about Daniel's, yeah, he didn't pull any punches. He just told it like it was. Um, yeah, there was a lot of positives, but there was also a lot, a lot of negatives. And I think it was, and again, it wasn't out of animosity. I think it was just things not working out. And it's, or I think it's always good and refreshing to hear about that. Um, and I think people appreciate it as well. And he took his time out to come and do that for people and then sign autographs, meet people. And it was all very, very pleasant. And it's just great because he offers another, he offers a different viewpoint to it. Um, and you look at his resume now, I mean, good God, I mean, the, the guy's done everything. Yeah. I mean, it, it started in Aliens, for crying out loud. Aliens, Jim Cameron. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's just gone on to do some amazing uh, things. Um, we have uh, Callum Keith Rennie. Uh, again, we're working with uh, his, his assistant as well as Paul's because um, we don't know what the schedule is going to be. So again, we have to leave him as interested. Um, um, Christina Cox, who was from Free Willy and Vault, she played the criminal uh, Caroline Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've always been I've, I've always been in touch with her since 2008, and it's never worked out until now. Um, so yeah, I believe she's done done some stunt work as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think she's going to be really interesting to talk to because I think these guest stars who aren't with the show a long time they come on to do an episode or two, and I think it's it's good to get their viewpoint. It's like stepping onto a show like that with like such a strong main cast. Um, We've got uh, Jim Burkita, Frankie Zuko. Yeah. He's, yeah, I, I, I hope he can make it this time. Oh, he's been one scene. of these guys. He's 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 always said, yeah, I'm, I'm interested, and then it never kind of works out. So he always calls in. We always do a live call over the microphone to him, and he's the loveliest guy, and we just thought he's, he's like the guest that has never been there in person. 
Um, so hopefully he can make it. It's not only how good he is in that episode, but what an engine he is for giving David Marciano something to play off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's a wonderful episode. And yeah, oh, what a great guy. But, but he doesn't make it stereotypical. No. He's, he's so easy to hate and loathe, but he doesn't go into like the hand-wringing, ha scenery-chewing bad guy. Well, I think there's very something very relatable to the idea that we all get this thing of um, getting too big for ourselves sometimes and trying to, yeah. I, I don't know, there, there's something like very human about like his character and what he's doing, even yeah. if it's, it's so wrong, you know, uh, we all fall it's into that. It's flawed, it's like the spoiled brat, school bully, but, you know, like give him a shove and they all burst into tears, that kind of thing. Yeah, but but It's believing you're impressed. Dangerous. It's, it's believing you're impressed in a way. Like, you know, as much yeah. as he, again, it's he's taken to the extreme. We hope we're all not like that. You know, it's like we've all believed you're impressed at some point or another. And, yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah, I think it's wonderful. Sorry, go. No, no, um, Mackenzie Gray. Now, this name isn't very uh, familiar to Do South fans. He was in, uh, he had a small role in Perfect Strangers. But we got in touch with him. Um, he found out about it. He was really interested. But again, you look at the guy's CV and he has done some incredible stuff. Like for any sci-fi fan, you name it, he's been in it. Nice. Like, like Supernatural, Smallville, Supergirl, Man of Steel. Uh, yeah, just absolutely everything. Um, so I'm, I'm, and he's he's just the loveliest guy. And I, I hope he, again, I hope he can come along. Um, uh, yeah, again, I mentioned Paul Gross. Again, it's it's you know we just don't know Paul's schedule. So he turned up in 2010, and he's always been a huge supporter of us. Um, he's always been able to contribute in some ways. Been he's made personal donations to the charity auction, the goodie bag items. In the past, he sent DVDs, signed photos, all that kind of business. So if he can't be there, he's always there in spirit in some form. He, he is, yeah, he, he's always a big um, supporter and backer of us. Was it something uh, Was it something Doyle, that detective show? Republic of Doyle, that's the one. I couldn't quite say to get a bit yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, because you mentioned... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we get there in the end here on this show. <laughs> we did. Um, crew guests, uh, Michael Bowman. He's been hit with us before. He's the assistant director and he's just a wealth of knowledge, just a fascinating insight. Again, we're really excited that we've got some really great crew members. Uh, we had a whole bunch come along last time. And again, we had a crew panel. And it just opens up a completely other door that people never knew existed. It's like what goes on behind the scenes and different people's jobs relating to certain episodes. And it, it's just great. Michael's brilliant. Um, uh, Debbie Drennan, she did makeup and was a designer on the show. Um, so she's, yeah, she's responsible great. for uh, Benny looking so beautiful as a woman. Yeah, yeah, most likely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's things like that. Like, how did you go about that? And it's like, I, I could do an hour just on that episode. <laughs> again, that would be fascinating. Like, even the shoes. Like, do they have to order special shoes in and things and the wig and yeah, yeah. It, see, that 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 alone is a conversation in itself. So we can't wait to find out about stuff like that. Chris Molson, he was um, a location manager and PA. Um, so again, finding locations, like iconic settings for shows and things like that. 
Um, that'll be fascinating. Uh, Bob Wertheimer, uh, sorry, I'll say that again, Wertheimer, um, who's a producer on the show. Um, so, yeah, we get to find out about, like, bigger decisions, top-level stuff, um, like how to select directors and the script writing, that kind of thing. Um, and then, of course, I mean, not to end on a downer, but we did have Kevin Rushton, who sadly passed away a few weeks ago. Um, and yeah, that was a bit of a shock for us because uh, I was literally, yeah, I was chatting with him. He was looking forward to attending. And I literally, you wouldn't believe it, I pressed send on a message to him to work out the details to what day, what time he'd like to come along. And literally, as soon as I pressed send, I got a notification pop up notifying us of him passing away uh, after heart surgery. So that was a sledgehammer blow. Um, uh, I passed the the word on to some of the cast and they were just, yeah, shocked. Uh, everyone's just stunned. So we will do something for him. Um, and, um, uh, sorry, uh, just for, well, I, I must admit, yeah. I, uh, what, what role was he in the show? Or what, uh, what did he do? He was show? many roles. Paul dubbed him Mr. Chicago. He was stunts. He was um, a big dude, bald head, goatee. He could play a good guy, bad guy. He played all manner of things. He's just a constant returning face in the show. Um, you look even the season three opener. He uh, he's the guy in the boat on the run from Benton. Right. He's yeah. He he can be a hitman. He can be a cop. He can be a construction worker. He's in the show throughout its run uh, and in behind the scenes and also as a stuntman as well. Um, and the guy again, he had a legendary career. He was the first man to fight the Wolverine uh, in X Men. Oh wow! And and um, Kevin Smith describes character actors, uh, director Kevin Smith, as uh, the cartilage behind mm. these, these shows. And I, I think it's so right. You know, if you don't get those like uh, great little little performances, I don't like to use that word, but you know, what I mean, the the kind of supporting performances, you, yeah. you, you that enables what the other people do. You, you it, the show yeah. doesn't work without it. No, and again, that's what makes you. I think that's what makes you sound so special because it's another of those things that only that show could get away with. It's like this guy's in nearly every episode, you know, as an exaggeration, and people's like, "Hang on, how many episodes has he been in? Who is he now?" But no other episode, no other show could get away with that. It's part of its charm, I think. It's like, yeah, we we know this is a bit of a wink to the audience. It's like, okay, he's going to be a bad guy this week. He could be. I don't know, a, a cop, undercover cop next week or, a, you know, just someone working on a roof and, you know, he's getting hunted down by Benton or something. And that's what makes it so brilliant. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, so, well, we usually have a drink on the go on this podcast. It's usually a different rum every week. So um, but we're going to lift our coffee this week. The rum we're drinking this week is coffee. So uh, we're going to raise that yeah. one. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Sarah, yeah, I mean, uh, such an impressive guest lineup. Is, is that it, or have you got more? That That's an impressive uh, list. We are, we're chatting with people behind the scenes, so you never know. There might be surprises. You, you never know. Okay, and just um, uh, as we kind of, sort of come towards the end of the uh, episode, just remind us where everyone can get tickets, where they can get their uh, supporting memberships. Mm, okay, um, so, yeah, head to... Uh, bit of an announcement as well so i'll oh. i'll tag this on yeah please. um so you, just to 
just to recap, um, rcw139.org. Um, look at the top tab for the 2019 event, which is happening 26th to the 28th of July in Toronto. We have, as I say, there's an online store. We have a few tickets left. Uh, first come, first serve, or if you can't make it, there are also supporting memberships available. So again, you get the goodie bag with, which is full of stuff. I can't tell you what's in them. We always keep it secret. There is, we ask for t-shirt sizes, so that gives one thing away. Um, but it is chock full of stuff. Um, as I say, in the past, Mr. Gross con has contributed to goodie bags personally. So you never know what's in this one. Um, as I said, there's a whole host of events. The, the, event, the weekend is going to be jam-packed. But it's not always about like, oh, I get to meet cast members and things like that. You soon find out that you make friends, people like-minded, love of the show. And that's what draws people back. It's those friendships. It's meeting people. It's having that special time, just something completely special. That it's Like you say, it's, it's a niche show. It's a niche audience. And that's what brings this thing together. It's those that friendship, those bonds, the memories of having a, a really fun time yeah. in the city. Um, so, yeah, um, that leads me on to we are partnering with Encore Plus Media, who are broadcasting or they're showing a whole variety of Canadian shows for free on YouTube, Due South being one of them. Um, so they've got seasons one and two available for free. Um, I think currently Canada and the US can watch it for free, and they're working on international rights at the moment, uh, I believe. Um, so yeah, we are partnering with them um, to do stuff. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, there will be some surprises involved. They are working with us um, uh, behind the scenes on some stuff for the event. All will be revealed at the event itself. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, they're also doing something. They're also going to be launching some kind of opportunity, shall I say. So you have to follow them on social media. So it's Encore Plus media that's e-n-c-o-r-e-p-l-u-s-m-e-d-i-a that's on twitter and instagram and youtube as well of course and they're also on facebook so check in to one of those channels and follow them and see what they're about to announce um yeah because it could be a cool opportunity for a few people Amazing. And uh, sir, look, as, as a media outlet ourselves of some very minor degree, uh, if, if you are able to get any soundbites or anything that uh, we could then use on the show, uh, we'd love you forever. If not, we, we expect nothing of you, sir, but if you happen to get any, then then we'd, of course, happily feed some. And we've got to have you come back on and, and talk about the event a bit afterwards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Sarah, um, she's a bit of a whiz with films. So um in the past she's recorded bits uh video and stuff so we always there's plenty on youtube seriously go on youtube yeah. uh, type in rcw139 there we did a big video montage in 2014 called thank you kindly um which was the name of the event and it was a lot of messages from around the world from attendees from cast and crew about their experiences on the show um, the, you can go back and watch Jay Semko performing live acoustic versions of the theme tune and cabin music, that stuff. It's, it gives me goosebumps now. It's, it's incredible. Uh, in the past, we've had Terry Russell, who's a, a Mountie 
come. Um, we've even got, right, <laughs> she's kind of a friend of mine. She came to the last one as an attendee. Her name is Lisa. She is now a Mountie herself. So we have a past attendee who is now an actual Mountie. Do you have any contact details for her? I've wanted, seriously, it's like it's a secret mission of mine to try and get a Mountie on here. <laughs> can, you, can you at all, like, get me a please. I just want to speak to a Mountie. I will drop her a line. I'll drop her a line and see if she's interested. She's a busy girl, obviously, because she's stationed all over the place. Of course. Her photographs are just insane. It's like the episode North, but with her in a Mountie suit. Yeah. It's like you, in the middle of the wilderness. It's just stunning. So, yeah, I will drop her a line. Um, cause, Thank yeah, you, we're, we're hoping, yeah, it, yeah, it's just fantastic just to see that a fan, an attendee, has become a Mountie. Talk about an influence of a show. Oh, amazing. That's uh, just, I, I, it's so fascinating to me. It's such a unique yeah. thing that, um, like, they're doing a serious job, but the, the iconography behind uh, the look of a Mountie, for instance, mm. it's it, it's so many things in one. It's it's a serious job, but it's also a, um, I don't know, it's, a, it's an iconic thing, uh, the Mounties. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, I mean, when Terry came in the past and he breaks down like his uniform, what everything is for, and he does it every time, but yeah, it's so engrossing and enthralling because there's so much history and meaning behind it all. And it's like, even when we were walking through the lobby afterwards and it just turns heads, it's like, oh wow, it's a Mountie. It's, it just has a, a reverence and appeal and it's like a level of respect that people just instantly sort of, you know, gravitate towards and love to meet you could i have a photo or could i shake your hand that kind of thing it's it's just super there we work with them a lot uh, in the past we've had the veterans association come along with like a you know um, a trading stall that kind of thing so we do support these organizations and as i said all proceeds go towards local charitable organizations in toronto ontario area and we support charities and and things that don't always get a lot of funding um and um, a lot of promotion that way. So we just we're essentially doing what Benton would do, helping people that kind of appreciate it and are in need of it. Well, I can't think of a better note to end on. And uh, this, I'm going to get this up today. Uh, it's going to go up unedited. So that's why you heard in real time us going, uh, what does the name of that show? That's why, guys. <laughs> it's because I want to share this so I can put an extra plug out for this, uh, this wonderful event as early as possible. Uh, thank you very much for sparing some time for us, sir. Thank you very much. No, it's been a pleasure. And yeah, I'd love to chat about it post-event and I will see if we can get some plugs for you. Oh, thank you, sir. So I have been Detective Squee. Joining me this week has been... John from RCW139. Until next week, guys, keep your compasses pointed due south by south-east. Wow.